0: Hey everyone, quick shout out. We'll get right to the episode after this. Just got to thank and highlight our go-to fun raising company in what we know as the raising capital of the world, Uh, Razels. If you want to purchase some and rock your taste buds, go to shop.razels.com. One, they ship for free. That's huge. We're living in the Amazon Prime world and that's all we expect from a company. Two, we have a discount code, Sours143. Enter that in. You're going to get 10% off. Real life, that's how it is. And you want to be uncommon in a common world? These fruit snacks have fruit. Razals.
1: I love you, man.
2: I love you, too, bud. I love you, dude. I love you, bro Montana. I love you, Holmes.
0: I love you, bros of I love you, Machacha. I love you, Tico Brohe.
1: Welcome back, everyone, to the I Love You Man podcast. This is Preston, and across from me is Ramon. How's it going? Um, thank you guys for listening, first and foremost. Uh, we have an exciting episode today. And before we dive into it, um, just encourage you guys to go follow us on Instagram at Podcast. And um, if you just want to know anything about us or you want to email us, you can actually find all that on our website, which is IOIManPodcast.com. And we're actually always down for suggestions. Um, Sometimes people request uh, people to be on, and those people actually do come on the show. So if there's anyone you're interested in, uh, just let us know. And we also have a Patreon. Um, if you guys do feel like supporting us, no pressure, but we have that at patreon.com slash ILYmanpodcast. And before I talk my head off, um, we have Chris from Trelio. What's up, dude? How's it going, um, well, everyone? I'm trying to think of the best way to describe Trelio, um, or maybe I should just hold off, but it's this... We were talking. Is it a steakhouse? No. Is it like a? It's just like I think it's like the Cool Kids Club. I call I it the think reservation it is. only dining. Uh, yeah,
2: it's been it's been pretty much a reservation only dining. And if we were a steakhouse, one steak is not going to make us a steakhouse. Yeah. <laughs> right? Shows you how many times we've been
1: there. Powerful right? yeah. steak. Right? Yeah, got one steak. The reason I like to refer to the steak though is because I went there one time for my wife's her work uh, Christmas party mm-hmm. she works at a salon right across the street Okay. and to this day when people ask me what's the best steak I've ever had yours has been the answer to that question wow. so just so you know dang <laughs> he's like I was in an accident <laughs> <laughs> sorry <man. laughs> it was just so memorable
0: and I remember it being so tasty but before I keep talking we had the, quesadilla, <laughs> the quesadilla, question. quesadilla question of the episode brought to you by quesadilla gorilla echo and weldon pay them a visit Mention the show, you get ten percent off your order. So, we are going to talk about food a lot. So, why don't we talk about one of the most common food? Whether you like it or not, fries. Okay. Oh. You got to go a, somewhere quickly. That's a joke. Fast. Uh, fast food. Fast food fast only. Fast food only. What in- is your, in your opinion, the best fries? If you have to settle for a fast food location to get your fry fix. Being a sommelier, it's like a pro-
2: process of elimination. You, you, you hate In-N-Outs. I mean, that's just. Okay. Uh, wait, why do you Those hate are the them? weirdest yes. french fries. It's like eating sponges with yeah. salt on them. Just, it's not that they taste bad. It's just this awkward texture to me. Yeah. I get what you're saying. Uh, uh, McDonald's is okay, just tend to be a little greasier and a little mm-hmm. flabbier. I'm, I don't eat at the two places I like the fries the best at most <laughs> of the time. Well, I actually, don't really eat at a lot of fast food, period. Uh, but, we do blind tastings, sommelier blind tastings when we get together. And we did one like literally a half a year ago and the best two are Wendy's and, uh, Carl's Jr. And it's pretty funny how, I wish I still had the sheet of paper of like the descriptions of the fries and what they smell (laughs) like and taste like what kind of oil that they were cooked in. It's pretty funny what sommeliers come up with whenever they're doing it, but we had somebody go around to every, like fast food type of french fry place and they literally like had us blind tasting them and like down and like i was off by one i think i screwed up
1: wendy's and carl's jr's got them flip-flopped
0: you know i expected carl's the wendy's one was
1: out of left field for me yeah wendy's i I forgot about them and you mentioned them and i remembered how good they are yeah like the perfect amount of saltiness yeah they're they're pretty they're close to carl's juniors they're close close. i like that so you still rank carl's higher
0: yeah respect
1: yeah dude I just thought of this on the spot after you naming Wendy's, but Jack in the Box curly yep. fries. Those that qualifies. Yeah, the but fry see category. Category. Yeah, qualifies. But like it's a little added extra stuff going on there. And okay, it's like so if
2: you're just doing if oil, just doing
1: potato, salt. Yeah. Okay, traditional fries. I'm gonna go with Rallies.
0: I love their French fries. Okay. Okay. You know, a fun fact. What? Uh, their Carl's Jr. and Rallies fries are the same, just different seasoning. <laughs> See, but it's the seasoning, though, in yeah. the Rallies fries that I they like. They get them from the same exact person. Dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Things you so learn. So Carl still wins. Um, <laughs> now we were talking about variations, but I was going to say um, Chick-fil-A's fries. They're a form of, of waffle fries. So I guess I can't really qualify. Yeah, but Dude, they are
1: good, though. They're, they're good.
0: damn good. <laughs> um I have it too much now. I work near Chick-fil-A, and I go there so much. It's bad. Like They know my name now. That's only supposed to happen at coffee okay, shops. When, you, when, yeah. <laughs> that's only when supposed a fast to happen food at a restaurant shop knows shops. your name, that's rough. Uh, it's okay. They have a rewards program. I'm fine. I'm getting <laughs> points. How do you guys feel about
1: dipping fries in milkshakes? That's
0: so weird. I was going to ask about that because of the Wendy's thing. I'm not oh. a fan. I don't get it. I don't generally drink
1: okay so we
2: milkshakes sodas or anything (laughs) it's usually water or iced tea for me i don't or wine i don't or lots of beer but i don't generally drink soft you know sweet things generally
1: yeah i feel like when you get older and you have beer it's like oh yeah i'll I'll set aside the soda (laughs) that's me i used to drink so much soda as a kid and now it's like water or beer
2: yeah, my, so just went away like my first beer, and I think I was like 16 or
0: something. I thought you were going to say six. No, 16. Yeah, I, mean. I, re- I remember <laughs> the
2: beer. It was like one of those big bottles of. Uh... A 40?
0: <laughs> no, not a 40. <laughs> it was
2: in no, a paper bag. It was, like, I a, like it was even back then, I was kind of snobby, but it was like that strawberry blonde yeah. stuff. And I just remember like my buddy, a waiter, picked me up one because we were going to go somewhere. I don't even remember what it was, but I was like, I'll try that. I like strawberries. That was my first beer, and I was
0: pretty young. And
2: it was like, <laughs> dang, that's good. That was that's the gateway right soda. there. That was, that was, I was done. You, more soda.
0: You're from the area or no?
2: No, I'm originally from San Inez Valley, right outside of Santa Barbara.
0: Oh, okay. I worked, I worked a it.
2: long time down there in the restaurant business.
0: Well, what brought you to Fresno?
2: Um, I worked at the Elderberry House. I was the dining room d- director and did a bunch of stuff. There I was a sommelier there for about... Off and on because I was doing it different jobs. I was like back and forth, back and forth. I couldn't figure out where I wanted to work, where I wanted to live. But I was there from like 2005 through 2000. I oh, was sorry, 1995 through
0: 2006. Okay, got it. So, and then yeah. you accidentally ended up in Fresno?
2: Oh, uh, no, not exactly. <laughs> I was looking to open a restaurant. I was like, like two years, like right around 2003, 2004, I had just finished opening a big hotel in Santa Barbara called Bacara as a food and beverage manager and kind of couldn't, I, I could afford because I made pretty good. It was just like ridiculous how much money you made, but how much went to cost a living. I was kind of getting tired of it living in an apartment, but having a six figure salary didn't make any sense to me. Yeah, (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I could barely, I I could barely afford the apartment. Uh, And my wife's parents and my family were all up in Oakhurst area at the time. My parents had moved up there, you know, a decade before. Uh, So I was kind of back and forth and I was just in this job as a food and beverage manager in this gigantic hotel and, uh, they they were kind of making me mad, <laughs> so I was entertaining anything. And Erna, the owner of the Alderbury House at the time, uh, had called me and said, "I need I need a general manager. This isn't working." And you had all the everything because I had worked in the kitchen there. I worked as the sommelier there. I worked you know pretty much a lot of stuff. And I did a lot of like the marketing and stuff and weird stuff that nobody would do. So I got called back as a general manager there uh, and I was there from 2001 to 2006. But coming back out of the hotel thing, I just like, I have to own my own restaurant. I have to do my own thing. And it kind of went back to my first job that I had that was like this small restaurant that I wanted to own. That would just be easy to do, I thought. And (laughs) would be more communal and community-like and would just draw like regulars all the time. And that's kind of what I wanted. Which is what I turned out to be, luckily. But I thought I wanted to do it like in San Francisco or LA or something that had a little more clout as a restaurant tour. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And it just I couldn't afford it. There was no way. Uh, just like the permits in like LA were as, almost as much as it was for me to open Trello. So I was I was gonna get a lot further here. And I was just randomly one day I was looking in the newspaper, the Fresno Bee, and honestly. My wife reads Fresno B every day. I'll like skim at it, but mm-hmm. like literally the classified ads. Who I mean, I don't know anybody. <laughs> yeah, it was just though. there because it has to be. It was just weird. I was just looking at it. And it literally said fine dining restaurant for sale in Old Town Clovis. And at that point in time, I didn't even know where Old Town Clovis yeah. was. Like, maybe I mean, I went to the, used to like go from Oakers to like the tower or go shopping at like Target or something, but yeah. rarely spent any time in, in Fresno other than going to like the really nice restaurants of the time, like Echo and Don Fernando's and yeah, ripe tomato we used to come down to go to dinner those types of daily planet uh I, I, none
0: of those a ringing a bell no. so well, because they're not there anymore <laughs> it's so wild i me. remember
1: daily planet but it's gone now yeah it's like, ooh,
0: faintly in my mind i can see that one yeah yeah so we used to come
2: down but that's all i knew i knew tower and i knew like shopping here i didn't know where even where clovis was but when i when i saw i, I like i literally responded to the advertising because it was in our price range it was in an area that we want because we didn't really want to be in a strip mall. I didn't want to be in a strip mall. That was like the last thing I wanted. Yeah. Uh, and I was like, it's in old town. Like, how do you get property in an old town anywhere in the country? And all of a sudden this for sale and the lease is you know, relatively good and everything is great. So I was like, I'm, I'm going all in. Yeah. So we bought it. We redid the whole thing. And like 23 days, we gutted it down to nothing and rebuilt it. And we we had a, it was a funny thing is my dad got a contractor and the guy told us like 90 days. And I was like, it's at this point now. in time, you have to realize I did, I had probably just enough money in budget to open the place. And yeah. that was it. I was like, that's not going to work. And he wanted like way more than we're like, we're just adding up. It was like, dude, this is too much. So my dad got out the phone book. It just started it's like okay we're gonna have to do this first we have to do this second we have to do this third we have Jeez. to do this fourth and literally just started calling people out of the phone book and he general contracted the thing in like like from start to, from getting keys to opening doors like 23 days what year was this? This is in 2006. This is between April and May 1st, 2006. Jeez, you
0: were still using phone books. So
2: that was me. I was like, Yeah. That was a
0: powerful thing.
2: (laughs) It was huge. If you knew how to use
0: it, that was powerful.
2: The the great thing was, like, there was a whole section of it. It was like, (laughs) do it yourself, you know, building type of sections, handyman, things like that. So yeah, we got it done. I remember our Finnish woodworker was. Working on homes at the time, and who work overnight at the restaurant to do (laughs) all the crown moldings and finish stuff. And he would he like literally wrote our invoice on the wall. We're like, I guess we'd take a picture of it. Yeah, (laughs) like that's
0: put it in
1: the books. (laughs) Yeah, remember that. (laughs) So when you guys first opened, what was business like? So 2006. Uh
2: 2006. So it's before the big, big fiasco. Yeah, because it's right
1: before 2008.
2: Well, coming from the Elder House, and my brother was the opening chef, and we had some really, you know, high, high end chefs when we first opened. We thought we were going to be like great, and Fresno was going to like, you know, just flock in the doors, and they did for like the first two weeks. <laughs> it's called the new restaurant syndrome, and some restaurants keep it, some don't. We were one of the restaurants that didn't. We opened up, the food was like, even for that period of time was way outside of the box of food and Fresno at that point in time was still really meat and potatoes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it wasn't, I mean, we've come a long way in about the last three or four years, yeah. but you know, 10 years ago, Fresno, I mean, restaurants that we have now wouldn't make it. We had a restaurant kind of like annex, not quite as good, but it was a little, little less expensive, but that didn't even last like six months. So, I mean, it's come a long way. The idea of a pizza not being exactly like me and Ed's yeah. Was, yeah. was like, that was Greek to the, people. The then. standard, yeah. yeah. So it's, it's nice now. But yeah, we, 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 we had a line out the door for like two, three, four weeks. I can't even remember. And then it just started dwindling. And I, we, we thought we were doing the right thing by having all this complex, crazy food that like nowhere you would have ever seen in Fresno at all. And then it just got to the point where I was like, I had to get a second job, third job, fourth job. Jeez. I was consulting all over the place. I was even like selling wine. Yeah. Like as a, as a wholesale, wholesale salesman, just to like, eh, just to keep it going, I was like literally going to work to pay my staff's payroll. Jeez. <laughs> it, was like, it was rough. And I'd still be working there. But that only lasted about like three years, two years. So only. Yeah, yeah I know. Right. That's a long, long time. Grind yeah. Out right for me, it wasn't like that big a deal because I'd already been in the, re- in the business for so long. And I, I like the business so much, so it wasn't really a big deal. I like fixing things. I like working okay. in different places. Yeah. For me, I like lots. Ask my wife. I like doing almost anything. It yeah. has to do with food, wine, consulting, business in general, hospitality. I'll do anything. So I kind of kept doing it. And I think we found people started labeling us this farm-to-fork restaurant. To us, it was like we went to the farm. We got food. Yeah, you know, we called some guy that had lambs, and we got a half a lamb or something. But people started calling us "farm to fork," and I was like, we didn't, even, we didn't tag ourselves that. We didn't yeah. even know really. We kind of understood where they were coming from on it, and we started to get some publicity in magazines and stuff mm-hmm. at that point. And that's kind of where it changed back. And about five, six years ago, we got to the point where we were sold out every night. You know, a week
1: or two in advance. It's so crazy how like customers like sort of make. Can be like make or break the business, and like mm-hmm. they painted this picture for. Even though you guys, like you said, you never said, "Oh yeah, we are farm or yeah. farm to fork." No, I, I think the I think the
2: customer created us because we had to find what they wanted. Yeah, at the same point within what we wanted to do, mm-hmm. and the food. You can ask anybody that's go- been coming into the restaurant for thirteen years. The food is. Just drastically different, and it'll be drastically different next year. It'll be drastically different two years from now. Every year, I really do sit down and change the style a little bit. Okay. I change the pricing a little bit, see if it works yeah. with the customers a little bit better. Uh, I change the dining room. I change, you know, anything, you know, really. Uh, that I like, you know, even staff. We like graduating people out of the kitchen to go work other places. Um, Because you know, new blood brings new ideas, and we have all this old blood that had been there that we've already stolen all the ideas from them. Uh, (laughs) So we need to get rid of them and get new ones. I love it. I love it. No, I mean, youth is fun. I mean, youth has different. I mean, I'm old. I'm crusty. I I mean, I'm (laughs) crusty. That's that's an adjective
0: you can use, sure.
2: (laughs) (laughs) But you (laughs) know, young people that have
0: passion have come from other workplaces. It adds every single time. It was it was funny because the way in case anyone's wondering how you know guests are chosen to come on the show. During that week, where we are doing a bunch of giveaways. Uh, Chris saw the one from Foundry. And, I mean, actually, I'll let you tell it. How did that go? When you you were just scrolling through Instagram... Yeah, my wife works
2: with me, like, one or two days a week in the kitchen. She does all the desserts and does some of the shopping. Like, when I can't get out to the farm or something to pick up stuff, she'll do that for me. Uh, She's kind of like the... My wife slash right hand man pastry chef. Uh, she's in it. She's you. in it. Yeah, she's, she's in, in it. it. Sure. Yeah, she's she's great at it. It's part uh, of the vows, right? Yeah, yeah. Trust me. Sometimes it's like I, I get all these compliments, you know, about the restaurant. This. Oh, and your desserts are so good. It's like, <laughs> what about the food? The <laughs>
0: wine? <list." laughs> what are the stuff? My, I had my hand. But dude. no,
2: no. It's like, oh, the desserts. Who makes the desserts? Do you make the? No, my wife does. Oh, <laughs> quiet. You look away. No eye contact with my wife. What was that? So, yeah, it's great to have that kind of solid backing. But she, she shops at all the boutiques in Old Town Clovis and really likes them and buys her clothes, buys little things and stuff. And she likes going in them and, like, the antique mall stuff and stuff. So I would just I check Instagram, like, every, like, 20 minutes. I'm one of those like people. everyone else like 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 Instagram reminds me of my screen time like every like two hours like you've been on way too much uh, <laughs> but no I, was, I just was I just hit the stories and I put my phone on the counter I'm just sitting there I was like oh they're giving away a gift certificate to down the street one of the places you like she's like go get it <laughs> <laughs> So like, I walked down there
0: and I got it. And you didn't question it for a second. It wasn't like oh, well, no, no, doing no, this, gonna do no, that. You're like, I, I questioned yes, myself I
2: questioned myself for even telling her there was a gift <laughs> get there afterwards. But no, I after I told her I there was no question, I had to go get
0: it. He got it, sent <laughs> us the, the message, like, Hey, I found the gift card and we looked at his name, we we're like, Wait, isn't that a restaurant in Old Town? And so we looked it up and like we should Trying out this guy on the show, <laughs> and so just like that, just through the DMs, it came to fruition. Yeah. He kind of found us essentially. Yeah. So every, well, I listen. I story. listened
2: to a couple of the podcasts, uh, Jimmy. Uh, when from annex when he was on, I listened to that one, and so I kind I was I, I knew you guys existed. it
0: definitely. seems like uh anybody in the restaurant business they're all best friends I feel like. or they <laughs> yeah. know each other well, we know each other, yeah yeah definitely. or the storylines are all kind of similar to the fact that you've been doing it for a while and then you kind of decided like okay, like I know what I'm doing I don't need an answer to anybody. I'm just gonna open my own Whew. Is that not me? and I the way I worded it might have been a little off, but it's so much where you go you work all these different aspects of the restaurant and you're like, I feel like I could just do this.
2: Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of friends in the industry. I've been, I mean, I've been in it and I've worked in lots of cities in it and I worked lots of, you know, f- big festival things. I consult a lot on everything in the business. Uh, so I have a lot of people that I know and you know, there's two different types of people, the type of person that wants to control everything themselves which would be me. There's, <laughs> I love how uh, you call it Then that. there's people that really like to level up and work in like the best, awesomest situations with other people of like minds and like creativities and really want to push the industry. And those people are just equally as good, equally as talented. They just don't have the... They don't want to go through and put themselves through hell yeah. to open their own place so they can control that. Instead, they work themselves into these really high quality of knowledge type of situations. Yeah. And they basically get treated like kings and queens in the food industry. And that's where a lot of like what you see on TV comes from. Those types of people that, you know, some of them are restaurateurs, some of them are but some of them aren't. Some of them are people who just work in the industry and are really good
0: um you talked about going through the hell of opening up a restaurant what was (laughs) the hell also if you could briefly touch on the struggle of that three years you talked about how do you power through that like how do you not talk yourself out of it three times and be like this was a bad idea i'm out i was lucky so
2: i had opening a restaurant i had close to 20 years of experience i had Mm -hmm. opened other businesses before as like food and beverage managers, I had run really high end businesses like the elderberry House, uh, Cielo Ranch, I worked at for a long time. So I had really had like a good solid base and even having a solid base opening a restaurant. I mean, you think, you know, oh, I'm, I can operate on 5% profit margin. You think that yeah. and then you realize if, you, if you're screwing up anywhere in the process, you're losing that profit, profit margin. Yeah. And I think the hell comes from not being mindful of the fact that your restaurant really isn't going to make money until you've got like these weird lease things like your ice machine. You got all this stuff paid off. You've been in business long enough that your workers comp points for, you know, uh, go down enough without having accidents. So so you're, you're, you're kind of saving money. You're, You're not making money. You're just trying to save money from going out the door. And that's how you kind of maximize to keep that 5%. You know, a thing because that's the only way a restaurant's going to make it is really, really understanding every nut and bolt of it. It's also the psychology of getting a team of people to work together in such an efficient manner that you're getting things done. And that can take some time, especially as a brand new restaurant. You just have all these random people and then you have to make them work as one because the restaurant is that that's what it is. And you can save. You can really get into profit margins well if you're really good at doing that type of stuff. So it's like a lot of little things you have to do. It's like a puppet master of all these things. And you can't not forget about any piece. Otherwise, you start losing that 5% profit margin.
0: What a good way to describe it. Uh, No one's (laughs) ever, we've had a couple of people in the restaurant business on, no one's ever described it that way. Um, How do you, uh, I like that you kind of have a priority on the people management aspect of it because that is huge. huge. Ask any of my employees, my
2: number one thing is morale, morale, morale. I talk about morale. I tell, I have to, One first thing in every meeting, you guys need to learn how to talk to each other.
0: You can't (laughs) can't talk like that to
2: each other. You can't do that. It's like, I hear it and it drives me nuts. It should be like a family that never fights Uh is really the feeling I like to have. And you have one personality that rubs another personality a little bit wrong. And then you have like this cloudy fog of negative energy that doesn't the work The passive for me. aspect of some yeah. of yeah. those
0: personalities is kind of the first domino. Yeah. What is it, what's your tolerance level when it comes to workplace drama? Like <sighs> is it like a one strike and like you know how I roll this isn't going to fly? I'm kind of
2: play it like like a really amateur psychologist. Okay. <laughs> Real freaking amateur cuz I'll let it ride until it's like boiling. And then I'm like, okay, I got to turn off the oven. Yeah. It's going to boil over. And then I have to like, I usually will have like a, a quick conversation with both person to see, kind of maybe figure out where. Yeah.
1: Find the facts. and the- if
2: Not so much the facts, but where the freaking nails poke in the wood. Yeah. Uh, Before it's starting to get driven in. So I'm kind of like, okay, which one's the nail? Which one's the wood? Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. That's funny. And then I can sit and address it a little bit better uh, and understand. And I generally don't address things as individuals. I try to address all problems as a team, because even if it's only two people, you know, everyone else is feeling it. So when you address it as a team, it's like, I've addressed it to the people that aren't part of it. I've addressed it to the people that are part of it. And now I've made everybody aware that I know about it so that the people that aren't part of it don't feel like weird about it anymore (laughs) and the people that are making it weird now understand that They're making it weird. Yeah. (laughs)
1: How how many people are on your team currently?
0: (laughs) Currently,
2: like 12. Okay.
0: Yeah. That stuff happens everywhere. That's so funny. Like everyone thinks it's just their workplace. It's experiencing those things. Like every job has been 13
2: years I've been in business and like rarely do I have a team that's all working together that doesn't have some sort of
0: It's just human nature, but it's all about how you handle it. And I feel
1: like the stories that come from like restaurants and kitchens, because you have to communicate so much and you're relying on
0: others Mm -hmm. so much.
1: Yeah. I'm sure. It's a
2: family. I mean, like when you build or ask any restaurant, every restaurant I've ever been a part of, I don't care if even the people at Applebee's, oh, you know, sure, or yeah. at fast food restaurants. It's a team like and yeah. you're around each other so much and the conversations aren't exactly the most, you know, kosher. <laughs> yeah. So you get to know people a yeah, little bit more than so you generally in a work Thing yeah. and human resources in these types of businesses doesn't. It's just exist. It's, a, it's actually a joke when somebody offends somebody else. They go, I'm and gonna call, like, call HR. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go <laughs> call HR. <laughs> they're like, it's okay. I'm standing right here. I'm listening.
1: Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Right. You know
0: my role. I wear that hat too. <laughs> Does it ever get like Hell's Kitchen in the restaurant? Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's the
1: one question I have no for brainer. all. I've,
0: I've,
2: I've Hell's Kitchened on customers before. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah, you just can't. I mean, you can't. It's, I don't. It's hard to explain. It's like people go into a restaurant and they're sitting at a table because I do it too, and you think that you're the only thing going on, right? There's a lot of people (laughs) around you eating, but you are the most important thing. And it's (laughs) like, and some people get to that point. But as a restaurant, if you're that person that like puts yourself out there and disrupts the flow of a restaurant, yeah, I'm kind of the person that puts. stop to your disruption kind okay. of thing. Do you want I to gotta share keep a flow.
0: A story like that?
2: Oh no. I, I mean I've
0: had sure I thought I was sure okay. about I'll go
2: back to really old ones when somebody gets really drunk and I actually have to physically pick them up, put them outside, and lock the door. <laughs> Time out. Uh, while all the other customers in there are probably not good for fire safety or something like that, but I've had to do that before. <laughs> um, I had someone getting a little loud and a little obnoxious not realizing that you know, it does take fifteen twenty minutes to cook a steak for reals. <laughs> and this guy was asking where his food was, like within like three minutes of his order. And he, oh, I have kids and this and that. I was like, oh, you should have looked at the menu and figured this wasn't exactly a kid friendly restaurant. But I was, we were kind of going with it for like the first fifteen minutes. So I just put a rush on the food, I remember. And I took it out. I was just still being as hospitable and everything as possible. And he just, like, as I put down the food, because I, I serve a lot in the restaurant. I, I like playing a waiter still and stuff and talking about wine with customers. But I put down this food, put my fake smile on. And he literally looked at me and said, finally. <laughs> and it was like 15 minutes. I was like, Oh my God, this is over. It. No, I don't lose it. So, okay. Don't, if you're a customer out there listening, don't ever try to do this cause you'll never be allowed back in. And, and I'll talk about you on my neck on the next podcast. But I literally did not charge this guy. And the second he was done with his food, I just told him to leave. And I was like, you're not getting charged. He's like, well, no, I want to pay. I'm a small business owner. I understand. I was like, no, obviously you didn't. <laughs> yeah. You, <are> you, <laughs> you sure? disrupted the restaurant for 15 whole minutes.
0: I'm a small business uh, <laughs> owner. I get it, guy. No.
2: <laughs> no, you didn't get it for the f- first 15 minutes. So yeah. <laughs> I literally just told him to leave right then and there. He's like, you're done eating, just leave. Oh and it's a unique approach. I and have seen that. yeah, I'm pretty sure if that guy lives in Fresno, I'm pretty sure I've never seen him again. <laughs>
1: Well, I was going to say, the restaurant itself is, it's a pretty small... Oh, yeah. We're only eight tables. Yeah. So how many people is that total that you can fit in there So, one night? Every
2: night, we do anywhere between 32 and 40 covers, depending on how the tables go. We're booked almost every single night. We're open seven days a week, so that's a nice thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one the one way you do lose money in the restaurant business is not having your seats full. That's kind of not our problem. Yeah. Our problems is managing how much money we spend to keep the restaurant going. Uh,
1: yeah. And I remember a story. I forgot who it was that told me, I think um, it was actually Rachel Orlando. Um, oh, okay, yeah. Rachel. And yeah. it's like. You almost get that text when you're like, Oh, I heard they just got a shipment of this wine. Yeah. And it's like, you gotta be there. Yeah. It's almost it's, like this.
2: Stuff like well, we deal in the really, really, really rare wine world. Uh and our you know, our wine list, if anybody hasn't seen it, is gigantic. We have everything from, you know, twenty, thirty dollar bottles of wine up to like ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. Whoa. So it's really fun to have to curate a list that gets attention from all over the world. Yeah. Uh, being an eight-table restaurant, I think we're probably pretty much the highest rated and probably the biggest wine list, at least in America, as far as curated wine lists go for a restaurant that only seats like at one time 20,
1: 30 people. So when you have this wine list, you literally have all the wines there? Yeah. yeah.
2: Wow. Who handles that expensive bottle? We So everybody that works for me has to be a sommelier. Okay. So that's the first... Go. Everyone you see in the restaurant within six months has to pass their introductory sommelier test. Okay. Uh, I deal with the rare wine side, and I have two girls that work for me that deal with, like, the the buy-the-glass stuff, the interesting, cool stuff, the stuff that most people buy. It's really nice for two people to handle it. So when they're tasting through wines, yeah. they agree on things. And then, then and if I like it too, then we know it's a great wine on the list and it'll be work good. Not only that, if they're they're the ones handling that situation, they're the ones that are gonna be selling it. It's a little more cohesive between the list and the customer at that point in time when you have a, a liaison that's like majorly part of it. The collectible side, I pretty much deal with those customers that are buying those types of wines anyways. They're, They're the ones that just go, bring me, Chris. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> and whenever I, I whenever the, one of them come into the kitchen, and go, "Uh, Chris, they have wine questions on you know whatever table." And I was like, "Okay, it's someone here that yeah is playing chef. ball, playing ball." Yeah, they came to play the yeah, game. Yeah, they're 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 interested in real real question type of things. So,
0: um, I mean, kind of to be back on the people process. Uh-huh. He, you said you had twelve people. Twelve on your employees. Team? Yeah. Do you do all the hiring? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, something before you got here we were talking about is these established corporations. That I don't know how they teach it or instill it in yeah. their hiring managers, but these hiring managers have this ability to see in these potential employees stuff that these potential employees can't even see in themselves. Yes. How, as a hiring manager or anybody that's in charge of that, what do you look for when you're talking to somebody for like an interview process? Well, first and most important thing,
2: I don't interview.
0: Okay. Gotcha. I let
2: my team interview. If it's front of the house, I have Christina and Kali. They're the ones that interview. It's the back of the house. I I just gave away a chef, but I used to have two sous chefs that, I mean, i make them talk to them because they're the ones that have to put this person into a team. They're the ones that are going to end up training them. They're the ones that are going to end up instilling the quality levels that need to be done. The way we talk to customers, the way they're the ones going to do it. So they have to feel comfortable with that person. So I don't feel like it's my place to be hiring people just because of experience or knowledge or how I feel about that person. I'll generally get along with anybody. Okay. Uh, but it's, I mean, I really have to have a cohesive team at all times because it's small, it's intimate. The, the guest sees everything that's going on. Yeah. So therefore I kind of stay out of
0: it. That makes so much sense. Yeah. I like that approach a lot. If you were uh, meeting someone or doing an interview, mm-hmm. Was there red flags where you just, as soon as they say something or do something, you're like, okay, yeah, this is over in your head, (laughs) in your experience. I'm not talking about the restaurant now because you obviously just stated you don't do that. But when you did do interviews, was there ever times where you're just like, there's that trigger where you're just like, okay, this is definitely not going to play out? I always had it, but then I'd probably
2: end up hiring the person. Anyway. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: like, well, I need someone so uh, <laughs> yeah,
2: ignore that, you it's, said that. It's kind <laughs> of one of those things. I mean, you don't know anything until you try it out is basically what I think. And the number of people that have actually walked in the door and then never came back three days later is enormous. I mean, I have yeah. to be honest, but I'm not somebody that's going to judge somebody because they might be nervous in an interview. They might be just... You know not they might be tired from working another job they're trying to get out of there you know they're maybe they didn't present themselves great uh doesn't mean they're a bad person doesn't mean that they're not capable of doing a great job um so i don't really put a lot on the interview other than i'm looking for key things like signs of drug abuse alcohol abuse yeah um you know those types of things. Uh, as long as you
1: don't show up to your interview drunk or high, I mean. Yeah, you pretty much have <laughs> <know> Johnny <laughs> <Trelio. laughs>
0: That's the motto. Throw that on the door. Maybe a little high. <laughs>
1: Maybe a little high. That's fine. But.
0: To take the as edge long off. as you're not
2: using knives, you're cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love that. No, I mean, I mean, for what we do, it has to be really creative. Yeah. Uh, because changing the menu, ch- how you interact. I mean, even the front of the house, I look at it as very creative because every customer is different. Every guest is different. And how you approach and talk to that mm-hmm. is literally being creative. Yeah. Uh, My, my general manager, uh, Tina, like for a long time, we used to trade books back and forth about body language, uh, psychology, stuff like that, because that was more important than like the product knowledge. Yeah. You know, if you can entertain somebody and understand everything that they're thinking about while they're, you know, sitting there eating dinner by just the way they're moving around, the way their eyes are working and stuff yeah. like that, then it makes their job a lot easier. So it's something that we really like
1: put a lot of yeah. emphasis on. Do you like it when people go to, uh, like do you require any like culinary school? No, no absolutely not. I didn't go to culinary school. My
2: brother, my, did. Next question. my brother, okay. my brother and I are, are, You know, I consider my brother probably better chef than I am. Uh, He went to culinary school. He's
1: in New York right now? No, he used to be. He
2: came from New York. No, he he actually is a chef at a big, giant retirement home. Uh, So he left the restaurant to be a farmer, and then the farm got sold, and then now he works this big old retirement home as a chef. And he's really good. I mean, like, when he cooks, it's, like, soulful and deep and has, like, nerve and electricity to it when it's done because I know the way he thinks, and I can taste it. I'm very different in that it's like, I'm a broader palette of cooking. I'm, and I adapt differently to situations than he does. And my cooking is a lot lighter than his cooking. Uh, I like a lot more rawness to it. I like, I like finding energy in raw flavors where he finds energy in like cooking really complex stuff
1: you guys should open a restaurant together sometime yeah have you thought about it yeah we did
2: and then he left okay oh. <laughs> <laughs> never mind he's ben like i'm not know. mad at all about I'm it. Not mad at something all. under his breath. <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: how does that uh reservation process work reservation process
2: okay um for us it's all online i rarely even we rarely even answer the phone you usually have to, if you want, like, like we take reservations online for parties up to six. Uh, and then from there, if it's a party over six, which we can take very few of in a week, uh, it's literally like you have to make a phone call, leave a message and we'll call you back. Uh, reservation system's automatic. It's developed based on the flow of what the kitchen's capable of doing, uh, because it's really complex food, like every dish that we put on, every dish we put together can have as many as three or four or five pans used to make one single dish that's going out to the dining room so there has to be some sort of flow Mm, uh, there and when the whole dining room fills up all at once and everyone puts their orders in at once it pretty much sucks yeah (laughs) yeah so So it's like one table at a time is getting food and it's so long and so whatever so we really have a flow it's all good there uh we only turn the dining room one half of a time per night so all tables get filled once and then only half of the dining room gets filled again because just the way the flow works in yeah. the restaurant. So our maximum number per night is like, depending on, you know, how the seats and how the reservations work out, anywhere from about 32 to 46. We've hit 50s before. Yeah. It's rough. It's ugly. And it's generally when people are like waiting outside. When we have a table like 930. Okay, we'll wait. And we're like, oh, we're oh I thought that was going to deter you. <laughs> I
0: thought oh, that, been like, oh, that didn't work out the way I thought it was.
2: <laughs> I meant 10. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of how our reservation work, so we're, we're kind of hands off I mean like five years ago six years ago I'd answer the phone and go please come in please come in and then like recently it's just the flow like the phone just rings yeah and the answer machine says if you want reservations go to you know online to do it because it just doesn't I would have to hire like one person just to sit and answer the phone all day long. Yeah. And so that's not cost effective.
1: No, yeah. I don't know. And online is like a website or just like Yelp? Yeah, uh, yeah it's, we use Yelp reservation.
2: Okay. So you can go to the, web, our website has it on it. You just, people go to Yelp and it automatically should. So it easy. Nine. It's yeah, changed it's, the game. It changed the game. I feel sorry for people that aren't really into the technology thing. I yeah. totally respect them uh, for it. And therefore, I mean, every once in a while I'll answer the phone if, you know, it's somebody I know yeah <laughs> yeah i don't know if it's somebody i know if I do, but, <laughs> but you know i mean it's like they're calling it's got to be somebody the thing but there's like with automated like business call things like yeah. update your yelp whatever i mean your go your google whatever business account i get like 20 of those a day so i just stopped answering the phone sorry everyone that wants to call and make reservations <laughs> you can blame it on google there we or, go. or the fake or the fake code. google calls
1: oh my gosh, uh, <laughs> we i don't like, think
2: we've hit the location yet Oh yeah, we're in Old Town Clovis.
1: Right what? in the middle of it. Smack what, in what the middle street?
2: Uh Clovis Avenue. Okay. Right on Clovis Avenue, right smack in the middle of Old Town.
1: Well that's the cool thing about your restaurant either. Like it how much would you say you spend on advertising? Probably zero dollars. Zero.
2: I don't know. I've, I've been doing it a little bit more just to keep internet traffic. I don't yeah. do it for phone traffic, whereas that would be like TV, you know you know, newspaper type of stuff, you know, print stuff. I mean, generally that's pretty good for like telephone stuff. But now that telephone reservations aren't really something papers and television just don't drive reservations. They can drive walk-ins pretty well. You know, people walking in, but we're not a walk-in restaurant. We're a reservation restaurant. So we have to deal with digital and it's like, you have to be in front of people at the decision point when they're on their phone. Like, where are we going to eat tonight? You have to show up then. Yeah. And that's where our tiny, tiny budget of, you know, uh, marketing goes into things like Facebook, Instagram, yeah. you know, just little paid ads. And I d- never pay more than like, maybe like 20 bucks a week. Yeah, for like the Instagram promotion or whatever. I target it down to like, oh, I only want 26-year-olds coming in this week. So So I'll target Facebook with 26-year-old foodies. That's all I want.
0: You just got to put the money into Alexa and Siri and every time they hear, what should we get for dinner? Yeah, Trello. Yeah, that's when all this stuff pops up on the Facebook and Instagram feed. Trello,
2: reservations. Yeah. Oh my (laughs) gosh.
0: Can I make you reservations? <laughs> yeah, that's a good voice right there. That was spot on. Wait, I'm gonna I'm gonna call them and
2: get
1: that done then.
0: Yeah. <laughs> dude, that's pretty smart. I didn't even think about that. I'm
1: sure there's an algorithm. It's
0: I don't
2: even have a like. I'm I feel always technical, technologically advanced in everything I do, but I don't even have one of those things yet. I couldn't imagine sitting there talking to a speaker going. It's like, probably good. Telling you, yeah, I was like, my phone does enough, but like one of those little boxy things it's like, do I really need it to shop
1: for me? Do I really need it to change the channel? I don't. So. i still feel very uncomfortable talking to those like i don't use siri that often oh like, i've never even used when siri. i'm by myself like when no one else can hear me i don't like using the only it time no. i
0: do it is when i'm driving and i want to play a certain song yeah i'll ask i've done it song. too because otherwise phone. I'm too tempted to yeah, just hit with one of these. And then I'm like, oh, maybe, well, I'll, play so this you're, one, or maybe I'll play that one. And then yeah. all of a sudden I'm lost. And
2: then you're you're a younger generation. I come from the generation that didn't even wear seatbelts. So <laughs> <Yeah>. texting, <laughs> writing, like writing your biography while you're driving. That's what that's what my generation does.
1: We're this dumb. just a slight difference. We're <laughs> dumb <all>. as heck.
0: <laughs> yeah. uh, um,
1: go ahead. No, I was just going to. I didn't know if you had any last no, questions. No, I was going to sum up
0: as well, too. I think we felt it at the same time. Yeah, go for it. Uh, <laughs> But Chris, thanks for coming on. Oh, man. no problem. Go. Cool. I'm gonna have to freaking make it happen though. I haven't been through yet, oh, so yeah. cool. I've heard about it nonstop. I just am lazy in the manner of planning things out. Oh, so, okay. yeah. luckily Yelp makes it easy. So you're one of those people that calls ten times. Yeah, yeah. Damn, you <laughs> never have availability. No, I, I, if I could do it over like an app, I'm gonna do that over a phone call anytime. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, cool. Uh, Thank you guys for listening and for tuning in. We'll have a new episode for you next week. Uh, But until then, don't forget, just be nice, people. We'll catch you next time.
0: Bye.